It's time for Decal Download, your source for news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. We'll hear from Commissioner Amy M. Jacobs and special guests to give you an update on all things Decal. This is Decal Download. Downloading now. Welcome back to Decal Download. I'm Rich Griffin, Chief Communications Officer here at the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning, along with Commissioner Amy Jacobs. Over 3,500 infants die annually in the United States from sleep-related deaths, including sudden infant death syndrome. The issue disproportionately impacts families of color, especially black, American Indian, Alaskan Native, and low-income families. And with that in mind, Commissioner, October is Safe Sleep and SIDS Awareness Month, and DECAL is joining Children's Healthcare of Atlanta to remind caregivers and parents. Yes, and we're so happy to have um, representatives from CHOA, uh, the experts making sure that we give all the correct information uh, to our audience, especially to parents of of infants. This is um, definitely a, a great time to do this. And, you know, I think we've talked about this before. Safe sleep is one of those things. You could probably talk to 10 people and get 10 different opinions of what safe sleep actually means. Today, we're going to try to clarify some of those things for you. And uh, we've got a lot of friends who are having their very first child. And so I think I'm going to share this podcast with some of those young couples uh, as they're getting started. Joining us to talk about safe sleep and sudden infant death syndrome is Pam Stevens, Deputy Commissioner for Child Care Services here at DECAL. Candace Gilbert is Quality Improvement and Training Coordinator with Child Care Services. Melissa Champion is a CCS consultant serving Northeast Georgia. Rachel Brown is a CCS consultant in the Northwest region. And Michelle Walker is a pediatric nurse serving as manager of child advocacy programs with Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. That's right. It's a cast of thousands, ladies and gentlemen. And ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So Pam, I know Safe Sleep has been around for many years. Why the focus now? Why a month for Safe Sleep emphasis? So safe sleep is one of those things that you can never take your eye off the ball. Uh, you know, I think of it a lot like our Look Again campaign that we do every summer about hot cars. Um, the work is never done. We can never say, okay, now everyone knows about safe sleep. We're all good. We're taking care of it, Georgia. It doesn't work that way for a number of reasons. One is that in childcare, you know, you always, every year you have a new crop of teachers, you know, people come in and out of this business and you have to continue to reeducate because it's so critically important. And I also think that sometimes we underestimate how much parent education we do just through childcare practices. So when a parent or a family comes into a childcare center and they see what we do and they say, you know, why can't I put bumper pads in my child's crib? We're educating them about home as well, because it will be brand new to a new parent because guess who doesn't care about safe sleep? People without children. Right. So if you've never had a child, you know, this is not something that's ever been on your radar. You have never even thought about it. And so we have to continue to re-educate and make it just the forefront of what we do because it's, you know, the consequences are dire when it doesn't go well. So I think, you know, we, a month is, makes perfect sense for us to all just to kind of come together and talk about this as much as possible. Because when bad things happen around sleep, it's never intentional. No one ever mm -hmm. meant to do that. And so I think it's, it's just a hundred percent about education. And if you talk to the grandparents, with all due respect to grandparents who we love dearly, things have changed a little oh bit. Oh my goodness. I, my daughter had a baby um, 
she's a year old now, but um, when she, she, a friend of hers had given her like just this really beautiful antique bassinet. And I mean, it was like, yeah, she cannot sleep in that. <laughs> and she was like, what? And I'm like, no, 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 no. She cannot sleep in that death trap. You know, so you can take a couple pictures. That's all you can do. Because again, if you don't live in this world, you might not know. And it's, you know, it's up to us to make sure that we educate as much as possible around mm. this. Yeah, very true. A lot has changed over the years, um, definitely. So Michelle, I've heard it said that safe sleep is as easy as ABC, alone, back, and in a crib. Can you elaborate on those reminders? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm super excited to be here. Um, as a former pediatric ICU nurse, I have seen Unfortunately, these babies come into our hospital because of not following these very simple A, B, and Cs. Um, so the A stands for alone. Babies should always have um, their sleep time alone. And that, that includes napping. That's not just throughout the night, but naps as well. Um, you know, not, not bed sharing, not laying down on the couch with them, not laying in a recliner with them. Um, and I know in the, the early care world, that's not so much... Um, the issue that everyone's dealing with day to day, but you also have your twins that come in as well. And, and just we'll touch on that in a little bit, but um, making sure that each baby has their own dedicated sleep space is super important. Um, B stands for back. So babies should always be placed to sleep on their back to begin with every single time. Um, you know, like we said, our grandparents are going to tell us, well, I put you on your tummy and look how you turned out. You're alive and well. Um, we know evidence has now shown that, that going on back is best. And then C stands for clear. So babies should be in a clear sleep space. They really don't need all of that extra. And as cute as it might be, they don't need bumper pads. They don't need extra loveys or toys or anything in their sleep space. So the C can stand for clear or crib? Is that <laughs> clear right? Clear crib. Clear crib. <laughs> but we like to say clear because we recognize that not everybody necessarily has a crib to put their baby in. And so if it's a bassinet, it needs to be a clear bassinet. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. That's helpful. Now, um, Michelle, why is the back preferable to the side and, and for how long is that advisable? So the reason the back is so preferable is because our anatomies are made up so that when you're laying on your back, your airway or your windpipe is most open. Um, babies gag reflexes will protect them from choking. Um, and so a lot of people out there think, oh, my baby has reflux. They need to be, you know, at an incline or on their side in case they spit up. Well, if you lay your baby on their side to begin their sleep, they're more likely to roll onto their tummy. And when they're so young, their neck muscles are not developed enough to allow them to lift their head up should they get stuck on that mattress or up against something else. And so the risk of suffocation significantly increases. Um, I should point out, and I probably should have started with this, that, you know, we follow all of the AAP, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendations, and that's really where these ABCs of sleep came from. Children's Healthcare of Atlanta isn't coming up with a new, you know, recommendation. We're, we're strictly trying to get the education and awareness out there for, for what the AAP has already set forth. Um, all of these guidelines that we're talking about today should be followed until your baby is older than 12 months of age. Excellent. So Michelle and Rachel, we all know um, babies do begin to roll um, at a certain point. What if we start them on their back and then they roll over? What should a parent do or a caregiver? Absolutely. And I get this question all the time. Um, like you said, we always start on the back. 
if you look over 30 minutes later and baby has rolled over, great for them. They're developmentally <laughs> appropriate and that's what we want. Um, if you do find that, you can leave them in their position of comfort. I think just be mindful of checking on them throughout the rest of their sleep. But as long as you start them on their back, it's fine if they roll to their side or on their tummy. And that's why being in that clear sleep space is also so important because once they get to that, you don't want them to get tangled up in any blankets or loveys or up against stuffed animals or anything like that. Hi everyone, thanks for having me. Um, so our rule in licensing states that infants should initially be placed to sleep on their back and allowed to roll or reposition themselves how they're comfortable, whether that is on their stomach or their side. We do not require that staff reposition infants back to their back. If an infant does roll over on their own, they should be allowed to sleep how they're comfortable. But of course, the staff should continue to monitor to make sure everyone is sleeping safely. Now, I actually remember this even as a 57-year-old, uh, you know, soon to be not any, anything happening, but one day I'll be a grandfather. So I'm more in that zone down the road uh, with two adult daughters. But I remember when they would fall asleep in the car seat, it was amazing. Now, the question is, how soon should we move them to a firm sleep surface, Michelle? So I'm with you on that one. I had two boys that loved their car seat and it was, you know, when you couldn't get them to go to sleep, let's go take a drive. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things that people don't realize is that in those, those infant car seats, when they have the base, when you put the car seat into the base, it actually puts the baby at an angle. And that angle is what helps keep that airway open and helps them maintain um, proper breathing. So once you take that seat out of the base and you place it on the ground or wherever you're placing it to watch your baby, that angle disappears. And so your baby is more likely to slouch or get in a position where it makes them difficult to breathe or could potentially block their airway. So as much as it pains everybody to wake a sleeping baby, it is best to get your baby out of the car seat or swing or whatever device they're in once they fall asleep and place them on that firm, clear sleep surface by themselves. And we know in CCS how tempting it is when we come in as a consultant and we and we see those sleeping babies. We know that, again, you don't want to wake that sleeping baby or risk that moving that sleeping baby out of that equipment. Um, however, infants shall never be allowed to sleep in any equipment in childcare other than safety approved cribs. Um, equipment such as, but not limited to, car safety seats, bouncy seats, high chairs or swings are all off limits for sleeping. Um, infants who fall asleep in such equipment or arrive at the facility already asleep or doze off in the floor should be moved immediately to a safety approved crib. Well, sometimes you do see a baby's crib, not in childcare, of course, but maybe at home uh, with a blanket, a stuffed animal, or even a bumper pad. I know I was tempted um, many years ago to do that, but those are not advisable, advisable as we've already talked about. But talk a little bit about why not. So, Michelle, you want to start with that one? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, we're all tempted by, you know, when you're a new and expecting parent, you see all the cute stuff out there and you just want to buy, buy, buy because it's so cute and you want your nursery and your room and, and everything to just look so perfect. Um, so as cute as those items might be, bumper pads, extra blankets, stuffed animals, loveys, 
they all unfortunately create a potential suffocation or even strangulation risk to your baby if they're in the sleep space with them. Um, so until that baby is over 12 months of age, it's really recommended not to have it in the sleep space. Um, if, if baby needs to have something, a pacifier that's not attached to anything is actually um, AAP approved. Um, once you've established a good breastfeeding routine, you can introduce the pacifier and the pacifier can accompany baby to bed. If it falls out at any point, no need to put it back in. It's perfectly fine to lay next to baby um, and is perfectly safe. And then license programs, um, we, the rules don't allow any blankets, stuffed animals, or soft items in the crib when a child is sleeping. Um, we also include other items such as mobiles or any playstations that attach to the crib, or even if you throw a blanket over the edge of a crib, we don't allow any of that um, attached to the crib because of the hazards and risks it may um, present to the infant that's asleep. And as Michelle said, pacifiers do not need to be removed from the crib if they are hard plastic pacifiers with nothing attached. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do see that pacifiers that have stuffed animals attached or sometimes people like to use the pacifier clip to their child, but these are not really allowed because they do still have that soft, um, squishy feel and can produce a suffocation hazard and also a strangulation hazard if they're attached by a pacifier clip. Hmm. I love the way we're connecting the uh, rules and what we're requiring in childcare right behind Michelle's advice. I think that works out really well. And so you're getting it from both perspectives. And I hope folks know, you know, uh, as part of Safe Sleep Month, um, you know, it sounds like we're taking things away. This is all for the health and safety of the most precious, <laughs> um, you know, gift you'll ever have. And that's your baby. And um, so, you know, like Pam was saying, you got the bassinet, take the pictures, get the moment, make the person happy who gave that to you. It's going to make a beautiful picture, but it's not practical and, and not safe. So we need to be careful on that. Let's talk about the mattress. What about the mattress and the sheet uh, that are used? How important is that? So mattresses should always be kind of firm. When you put baby down on the mattress, they should not drop down. It should not indent. Um, the mattress should have a very tight fitting sheet on it. And that's really all they need. Um, I know a lot of people get concerned about extra blankets and what baby's wearing. Um, but generally baby is fine. And just one layer of clothing. If you think they need an extra layer, a, a sleep sack is the, the safest alternative. Um, in addition, I would always say when you're looking for that mattress or, or sleep space, always make sure that you're meeting the safety standards of the Consumer Product Safety Commission. There's a lot of products out there that are advertised as preventing SIDS, and it's just not true, unfortunately. There's no evidence to back any of that up. So really be mindful and really do your research on selecting, selecting the mattress in the, in the sleep space for your baby. So in licensed child care centers, we do have specific rules on mattresses and sheets. Um, we do believe they are important. That's what the baby's laying on. That's what's supporting them while they're sleeping. Um, and so we say that a mattress should be at least two inches thick, tight fitting in the crib with no gaps around the edges. That way baby cannot 
fall in between the mattress and the crib and it should be firm and firm meaning that when pressure is applied and removed an indention does not remain in the mattress. It should also be covered with a waterproof washable material that allows for easy cleaning and sanitizing um, as needed. Now sheets should be tight fitting to the mattress and we don't want them loose so that we don't have any bunching around baby's face while they're sleeping but we also don't want it too tight that would cause the mattress to bow or bend, which could make gaps around uh, the edges of the crib as well. And the sheets should be cleaned at least daily um, or more often as needed. So the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends sharing your room with a baby for the first year. I think that's new since I had children. So Michelle, I'm interested to learn about that recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so that is correct. And I think the important phrase here is room sharing and not bed sharing. Um, AAP strongly suggests room sharing for at least six months, preferably up to a year, um, rather than bringing your baby to bed or a different sleep space with you. Um, Because again, you know, I want to clarify a lot of parents think, oh, it's okay, because it's one o'clock in the afternoon, we can lay down on the recliner together, baby can be on my chest. Well, unfortunately, small babies who still can't lift their neck muscles can also smother on somebody's chest as well. And so it's super important um, to remind parents of that. Um, Babies should not be put to sleep on a couch by themselves because it's too soft and they can roll and they can get trapped. And again, they can smother on those services. Um, And then I, I can't emphasize enough how much not sharing a sleep space with your baby can be. Unfortunately, I've seen too many parents who just wanted to take that one nap or they're super tired and we get that but that's why we recommend the room sharing because it makes it so much easier that they're right there next to your bed in a safe sleep space usually a bassinet or you can even bring the crib in there if you have room Um, but it just makes it easier when it's that 2 a.m feeding time and you're exhausted to be able to roll over and pick baby up um, and then to put them right back down into their own dedicated sleep space this is what's interesting to me is because you know i'm a mother of four and, you know, it, the baby always slept in my room because it, because it's too hard to make that walk in the middle of the night. And so you wonder, like, we always make these elaborate nurseries for our kids. And it's like, they've never even been in that room. They it's don't like, even see it. And so they're not in the year. You know, you can really wait on that because it's like, you know, we do all these things. It's like, this, you know, this child is never here. So it's just kind of funny. You're rushing around, you're painting, you're doing all this <laughs> hard work. You've got a year. <laughs> Get- <laughs> Give yourself some space there. I remember um, I've got two daughters, and before the birth of our first child, we took those childbirth classes, uh, which I thought were to scare you, but um, they were actually very productive and and helpful. And I remember one of the takeaways that I had, they said, if grandma says the baby's cold, give grandma a sweater. <laughs> and so if we're thinking about, let's say a parent is worried that their baby is getting cold, and maybe they're justified in that. Better to address that through clothing than with blankets. Is that kind of what we're hearing here? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, We recommend the room temperature be set in the cool range that's comfortable for, you know, a lightly clothed adult. Um, We do know that being overheated is linked to SIDS, and so we want to make sure that 
you know, babies are not being, you know, super layered up and covered with lots of lots of blankets, because in addition to posing a risk for suffocation, you know, it also could overheat baby and, and we don't want that to happen. Um, so again, we recommend, you know, one layer, you know, those cute little footy pajamas are great that zip up or snap down or however you want to look at it. If you think they need an additional layer, again, that sleep sack is going to be your safest option. Um, and I know they look funny, but honestly, as a parent who's used them, they're wonderful. It's like you just zip your little baby up and there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All done. Um, I, I have heard a lot of people say, well, what if their hands get cold? Well, they do make some of those PJs that kind of fold over their hands. Um, but Again, cold hands, as long as, you know, baby overall is, is in that layer with that sleep sack, really, it, it's going to be okay. And, you know, as we've stated, soft items such as pillows and blankets are just considered hazardous. So in licensing programs, we, um, we recognize that providers and parents are concerned about that cold being a factor. And so we say that wearable blankets, such as the infant sleep sacks, that zip or snap at the front and they fit so that they don't ride up to the infant's face. We, um, those are permissible, but we don't allow any blankets. So, um, and, and the key there too, is that, you know, staff should always be continuously monitoring the sleeping infants for comfort and safety. Mm. So what about swaddling? Um, I have a love hate relationship with swaddling, but what is it? And is it okay? I'm the same. I have a love-hate with it <laughs> as well. Having taken care of lots and lots of babies throughout my career and then also having kids that one liked being swaddled and the other didn't. So <laughs> I think as a parent, you'll learn right away if your baby likes being swaddled or not. Um, one suggestion on that is if your baby doesn't seem to like it, make sure you're doing it correctly because there is a fine art to swaddling. Um, and you do want to make sure that the, their hips aren't too tight, um, and that the swaddle isn't too tight, obviously, because you don't want to impede breathing. But but the hips is also super important as well, um, because we don't want to mess with with any hip um, hip dysplasia or you know development of that. Um, so swaddling is perfectly fine. Um, again, just one blanket is needed. Um, make sure it's not too tight. And when your baby can start to roll themselves over, you really need to stop swaddling because as you can imagine, you've got a swaddle, baby rolls over, blanket goes everywhere. The risk of it getting somewhere while they're sleeping over their face or what, what might have you um, is, is just too high. I'm also with you and Amy, Michelle, I both, um, I have a love-hate relationship with swaddling. I remember just giving birth and watching YouTube videos trying to <laughs> swaddle my child because I saw the nurses do it so quickly and I just thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. But luckily, there are those manufactured swaddling gowns that saved my life um, when it came to doing that. And so, although we um, do allow swaddling in licensed child, child care facilities, we don't allow it unless there's a physician's written authorization. So if that authorization is obtained, it does have to include some very specific information and instructions on how to swaddle that infant, including the time frame, um, the number of days, weeks, months, and how long that child can be swaddled for. That may include minutes or hours um, that the infant can, you know, be in that. And we um, recommend, because we don't allow typical those one blanket swaddlings, we recommend an appropriately sized commercial swaddling gown, the ones that saved my life in the hospital, um, and it must be provided by the parent and used by the provider. Yeah, and I, I just want to add to that, that even when you are swaddling, the baby should be placed on their back. 
Even if they're swaddled, still no sides, still no tummy, always on the back. Good point. Um, Let's talk about tummy time. I I hear a lot about that. Uh, Not only is it okay, it's encouraged, but not in a sleep situation. Yeah, absolutely. We love tummy time. Tummy time is great. That's what's going to help build those neck muscles for baby um, that I've said over and over again that small babies don't have the neck muscles to, to lift and move their head or their face should they get stuck up against something, whether it be the mattress or something else. Um, so tummy time is what's going to help build that. However, tummy time needs to be done while the adult is awake and supervising. Baby. Don't just leave baby to have tummy time by themselves. It needs to be a supervised event also have a love-hate relationship with tummy time. Um, <laughs> this has been great and such great information. It's brought back a lot of memories um, for me, but this is such great information for new parents and really grandparents and any caregiver. Um, so thanks to you all. Michelle, one last question though. Any other good resources for more information for parents, grandparents, or caregivers on safe sleep? Yeah, sure. So if um, you go to www.strong4life.com slash safe sleep, we have a whole hub dedicated just to safe sleep. But in addition to that at strongforlife.com, we really are dedicated to helping parents and our community raise just healthy, safe, resilient kids. So we have all sorts of information and resources all over um, the website. And so please, you know, take some time and visit and reach out to us if you need anything. In addition, you can always find all the safe sleep recommendations on the AAP's website. Great. Great advice. Um, And then let's just pause here for a second. Thank everybody for a great discussion. But if you're listening to this and you know a new uh, parent um, with a newborn, and the, I know these discussions have come up. Would you share this podcast with them? You can do it as easily as just sending the link um, off of our website and off of our social media uh, to your friend with a little note. I thought you might appreciate hearing this. And uh, I, I think it's, it's very rare that you hear this type of discussion together at the same time. You've got Michelle explaining um, you know, as, as a pediatric nurse what's going on. And then you've got the rules right behind that from our excellent, outstanding consultant. So we want to thank everybody for being a part of this. But if you're listening, please share this with any, uh, I've got a couple in mind right now. Uh, In fact, my wife is a superstar in the church nursery. I think I'm going to share it with her as well. Uh, But you guys did a great job. Thank you so much. And again, October is Safe Sleep Month. Please make it a priority. And as Pam said, never forget the importance Uh, of the things we've been talking about today. Ladies, thanks so much. Thank you. Now a decal download bonus, just like the falling autumn leaves and pumpkin spice, everything with October comes open enrollment for state of Georgia employees, including all of us here at decal. This year, open enrollment is October 19th to November 6th. And Commissioner, we have the expert on all things open enrollment here today. It's Sabrina Henry, our HR operations supervisor. Yes, Sabrina, thank you for being with us. It's good to see you. Um, We don't get to see you very often, so um, it's good to see you and have you with us to talk about open enrollment. I've been ready for this day to come because I need to make (laughs) some really important changes. I've been waiting. Really? Wow. Okay. You might have to share at the end of the you know, podcast. Like braces and things like that, that we weren't oh. anticipating. It's yeah. Yeah, that okay. is absolutely. And that's a great point. So we do welcome Sabrina back 
to the podcast. And uh, Sabrina, open enrollment, October 19th to November 6th. I guess our main question for most of our folks listening today, any big changes this year? Well, the 2021 Healthcare Flexible Spending Accounts, um, the limit has increased to $2,700. Unum's long care premiums for the 2021 year, they've increased, and that's the only thing that has an increase. And lastly, the Hyatt Legal Plan, uh, they have a name change. They're now MetLife Legal Plans. There were no major um, changes to the premiums um, besides the long-term premium I just mentioned. Um, Also, if you heard rumors that we would have pet insurance available this year, uh, that has changed. So for our pet lovers, cross your fingers, maybe next year. Oh, there was a rumor that we were getting pet insurance this year? Well, they had announced it. And then um, I guess, Things fell through, so no pet insurance. So people might have, it might have got out. I gotcha. A quick follow-up here, flexible spending accounts. You're going to have to forgive me because it does happen every year and I tend to forget. Define that for us. What is the flexible spending account? Well, that will help you um, with payments like your copay to the doctor or payments to the pharmacy, um, things like that. And that is the only thing that does not roll over automatically. You have to enroll in a flexible spending account from year to year. Okay. Commissioner, I have to confess, we were talking before we started recording today, and I asked Sabrina, what if I just don't do anything? Does it roll over? And I I know we don't want to encourage that. We want everybody to go online and, and make sure you get everything that you need. Uh, but she said, yeah, that's the one thing that doesn't change is that flexible spending account. Sounds like you don't have one, Rich. <laughs> I don't think I do. <laughs> I like my plan, though. It's, it's, it works out well. I won't you know, go into a lot of detail, but it works out well. Yeah, and I will say, if you're totally satisfied with what you have for 2020, then by all means, um, you can let it roll over. It's not mandatory that you go into the portals to make a selection, but... It's always a good idea just to review everything you have to just ensure that it it still works for you and your family. Good to know. So obviously most of our employees are working safely from home during COVID-19. What impact has the pandemic had on open enrollment this year? Well, you know, open enrollment has always been done via online or over the phone. The only thing really different this year are the flexible Uh, sorry, the benefit fairs. Um, We don't have anybody to go meet and greet and get our wonderful swag. Um, They're virtual this year. And and when are those coming up? Well, it's actually already started. It started October 13th. And you can just go ahead um, and sign on to Team Georgia. And as soon as you sign into Team Georgia, the link is right there to take you to the flexible benefits. It's actually pretty neat. Will they send you a goodie bag through the mail? I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's not allowed this year. No, I wish it was. I mean, I would be all for that, but that that's a lot of mailing. I, I don't think the, yeah. <laughs> that's a good use 
<laughs> the steward's money for the state of Georgia. Yeah, probably, probably not a good idea in that case. <laughs> So, Sabrina, I know you're not allowed to make recommendations, but what is the best way to compare plans, make sure you're doing what's best for you and your covered family members? I recommend highly to use the You Decide guides. There's one available for state health, which is the medical plans, and one available for Georgia Breeze. Both of these can be found on the G Drive uh, under HR. Well, I think it's G Drive, HR. And then there's a 2021 open enrollment folder. And you can look at that. You'll see the You Decide guides. There's also a rate sheet to let you know what um, the monthly premium is. And you can also go on, on Team Georgia and look under Benefits Overview. And that will also give you the You Decide guide. It breaks down everything we have. So what should employees be doing to update their plans and meet the deadlines so they don't miss out? Because these are only two weeks out of the year that you can make changes without a life event. So what should employees be doing now so that they don't miss that deadline? Well, the window is actually three weeks, but it's already began. Uh, Open enrollment started yesterday uh, at 12 a.m. and it will end November 6th at 11.59 p.m. So I'm encouraging you to make your selections as soon as you possibly can. Make sure you click finish and hit submit. Um, Don't wait until the last minute to make your choices. Also, uh, something new this year, a very important item to note is that you can only access the websites via the computer. You cannot uh, do it on a tablet, nor can you do it on a cell phone. And if you're having trouble getting onto the sites, um, you might want to change browsers. If you're in Explorer, change to Google Chrome and vice versa. Um, Again, review the You Decide guides. Uh, Make sure your passwords are updated so you can get onto the prospective websites and, and make your selections for the coming year. We mentioned the benefits fairs, unfortunately, not happening uh, this year. And I, I guess one thing that's kind of the downside of that is that it gives you a uh, opportunity to talk face-to-face with someone to ask specific questions. What's your recommendation on that personal touch? You know, you just need to talk to someone, get a better understanding. You can certainly call Georgia Breeze um, to inquire about the flexible benefits or state health. Um, those are your experts and they can give you a breakdown of every vendor and every program um, related to their, pers- to, to their prospective um, units. But um, you will miss that personal touch with the actual vendor representative. Um, when you go on Team Georgia and look at the site virtually, there's kind of like a flip book that um, just kind of, you can press the arrow and it it flips and gives you the different vendors, but there's no way to ask a question or even do a a chat. That that probably would have been a great idea to be able to do a virtual chat. All right, we need to start making notes now. Virtual chat and (laughs) goodie bags through the mail. Uh, That is a really good idea, the virtual chat. Maybe, well, maybe next year. Yeah. (laughs) So um, there are two components in play here. The state health benefits plan, which is 
our health insurance, and then Georgia Breeze for our flexible benefits. Tell us what that includes, because sometimes that can be confusing. Yeah, so SHBP, that stands for the State Health Benefit Plan, that deals with the medical insurance. And the medical insurance, the service providers are Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, United Healthcare, and Kaiser. So with Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, there's three different tier levels. There's a bronze, silver, and gold, and then there's an HMO. With United Healthcare, there's an HMO and a high deductible plan. And it's just as it sounds, a high deductible plan. The premium is really low, but again, the deductible is high. And then lastly is Kaiser Permanente. They're a one-stop shop. You just have to live or work in one of the 27 counties that they have a facility. Um, the other is Georgia Breeze. You'll hear Georgia Breeze and flexible benefits kind of interchangeably. It's the same thing. And that's going to be everything else. That's going to be your dental, your vision, your long and short-term disabilities, your spending accounts, legal plans, any life insurances that we have. Uh, critical illness, as well as long-term care. So again, the timeline, uh, the deadline is November the 6th. We're recording uh, today on October the 20th, and you're hearing this beginning on uh, October 21st. So you still got uh, plenty of time. Um, and again, you can go online. Can you call a phone number and have someone help you with this? Uh, Most over the definitely. Phone? Most definitely. Um, the SHBP enrollment portal is www.myshbpga.adp.com. I know that's a lot, <laughs> but that toll-free number to reach uh, state health is 1-800-610-1863, and they have extended hours for open enrollment. It's 8.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Uh, and then Flexible Benefits, or also Georgia Breeze, www.gabreeze.ga.gov. And they're reachable at 1-877-342-7339. And they're Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And again, these contact numbers and websites are available on Team Georgia. Good to have all that information handy. So we know this is coming around the same time every year. Why do you think it ends up being a little stressful for people? What are some of the misconceptions people might have during open enrollment? Well, I think the biggest thing, um, sorry to say, is procrastination. You get the email. I didn't bombard you this year with so many reminder emails. So I was hoping that, you know, you didn't get into the mode of ignoring my open enrollment email because I know what it says, but procrastination. And then before you know it, the last day of enrollment is here and you're panicking. I encourage, I implore you, go ahead access the website, sign up. It's, I did it yesterday, very straightforward. I got in quite easily and didn't have any issues. If, you, um, if you're having problems online, then you can always call as well. And, you know, I don't want you guys to forget that you can't do it on your cell phone. 
nor can you do it on a tablet. So it has to be either um, the computer or phone, uh, a phone call. And I imagine that November 6th deadline, it's probably best not to push it all the way to the end because it's going to get pretty busy. But that goes till midnight, I guess, on November 6th? It goes till midnight, but um, that's only online. The calling will stop for state health at 730 and for Georgia Breeze by 5 p.m. So you definitely don't want to procrastinate and don't want to wait till the last minute um, because I, every year I get a lot of panicked emails. They can't get through on the phone. Um, it's They've been on hold for two hours. The phone's just been ringing. I think this year they've actually instituted um, the program where they'll call you back. Um, but you want to uh, remember that this is every state of Georgia employee registering. Wow. I don't know what our numbers are, but, you know, just know that it's not just only decal. It's every state employee. Right. All right. Well, there you have it. Deadline, November the 6th. And what I love about Sabrina, even though she can't see us in person right now, she has a reminder on her email. Every time I get an email, there's a reminder about open enrollment. So she's found a way to virtually bug us about You that. know, uh, every HR team member has that reminder. It was suggested and we all jumped in two feet first. It's a great idea. No, it's a great idea. No excuses. Everybody get online. You can uh, check out all the information that Sabrina was talking about. Um, I just encourage everybody to do it as early as possible. Go ahead and get it taken care of. And let's prove, even in open enrollment, what we've proven in so many other areas during COVID-19. And that is we can be flexible. We can make a shift and uh, do a better job of, uh, of keeping things going. Most Sorry. definitely. And, and if you. any, that's all right. And if anybody has any questions, um, you can certainly email me and I'll try my best to assist. But, you know, again, don't wait to the last minute. Absolutely. And thank you and uh, the entire HR team uh, for everything you do to, to keep us uh, in check when it comes to open enrollment. We appreciate it's it. It's truly our pleasure. Thanks, Sabrina. Thanks. Now your questions from the water cooler. Hi, I'm Lindsay Urey, and I'm a supervisor with Inclusion and Behavior Supports in Tequila, Georgia. My question for Commissioner Jacobs is, what has been your go-to TV show or movie here in the last few weeks? Thanks. Okay, well, thanks, Lindsay. Um, I will have to admit, uh, my husband and I have definitely um, binge-watched lots of shows. Uh, the most recent, we just finished um, Succession on HBO. Um, which is this, you know, ultra wealthy media mogul family that has lots of issues. Um, and we also, in an old one we just finished, which was entertaining, was um, Boardwalk Empire. Um, both good shows. Now we're trying to decide what's next. We're not, we're not sure yet. So we're taking suggestions on that. Do you remember when we started this whole thing and it was Tiger King? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing that we started with Tiger King. Yes. I'm still waiting on the next season of Tiger King, actually. You know what I caught up with uh, over the pandemic is uh, the classic Friday Night Lights. 
Oh yeah, That's really good. good, very good show. If you haven't watched it, you need to. It, it, and it's you know pretty wholesome overall compared to a lot of the stuff we've been watching with uh, binge watching. But yeah, Friday Night Lights is good. Um, but um, boy, I tell you what, it it kind of has helped us make it through uh, a lot of these pandemic days. Uh, going to Netflix and other sources. Well, Reg, I'll have to tell you, although my husband would, he is not watching this. I believe you mentioned this catfish. So I've started watching um, catfish and I cannot stop watching it. I love catfish. It's addictive. It is. And you know, right. And Eve is on dancing with the stars. I guess he's survived. I don't know where we're standing right now, but uh, yeah. So you can tell you you gotta have some nice distractions (laughs) when we're this busy and doing a lot of work it's nice to have a distraction like that. So maybe we open it up and you can send us at decal download at decal.ga.gov. What are you binge watching? And uh, hey, we'll bring it up and talk about it on a future episode. Time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize and the decal download quiz will draw one name from all the correct answers received at decal download at decal.ga.gov. Here's the question. What are the ABCs of safe sleep. What are the ABCs of safe sleep? Send us your answer, decal download at decal.ga.gov. We'll put all the correct answers together, draw it one name, we'll award you with a great prize. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for tuning in to Decal Download. For more information, visit our website at decal.ga.gov. The conversation continues on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs.